Alrighty, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling all the way in from Charm City, my pal Odell. What is up, my friend? What's going on? How, how you doing? Man, I can't believe I made it through that. I was having a problem saying percussively <laughs> because I'm all stopped <laughs> up. So I probably sound a little bit like Elmer Fudd, but I'm just going to fucking roll with it. So how's Charm City? Is it freezing up there yet? Because I'm in the south and it's freezing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty, it, for this time of the year, it's, uh, it's definitely unseasonally cold. I mean, we're actually supposed to get snow tomorrow. Snow and ice tomorrow. <sighs> No. And through Friday, so and snow is never good in the city with all those no, back streets no. and stuff. It's a fucking mess, especially the first one because they're, they're not ready for this one either. So, <laughs> and a person in the background, a gasp, is our producer, <laughs> y'all, always haunting us from the back. Yes, Dee, oh, <laughs> do you feel left out because in the other shows I give you this big long introduction, and this show I'm like, eh, Dee. Uh, no, not usually. Um, although like today... last Sunday, I'm like, she is the bright colored light bright to my crotchety old, <laughs> or the bright, like, shiny peg to my crockish, crotchety old light bright. Yes. Like, I give you mad props on the other shows, and this one, I'm the way it's written, it's just like, eh, D, well, what's up? Not there? usually, but today is an important day. And um, why is that? <laughs> okay, so tomorrow in Knoxville are the season 14 America's Got Talent auditions. And, of course, I was registered from the day they announced that registration was open. Oh, by the way, I think we could give the spoiler you didn't make it last year. Because no, the last time you did it, we did a show with Matt and um, RL yeah, because they had me. been on there. And spoiler we alerts. were like, we can't tell you if you make it. But yeah. now we can tell you you didn't make last year. No, spoiler alert, I did not make it last year. Um, I saw photos of myself, and honestly, I think I was too similar to a contestant that they had just had the year before. She had, like, the mohawk, and I also had this very superhero Dolly Parton shirt that was a little too cleavagey, if that's a word. <laughs> that's a, uh, I don't believe such a thing exists, but go I on. know. But this year, um, I actually, today just won a front of the line pass from a local radio oh, station nice. uh thank you b97.5 and wbir channel 10 for because you got me... chops you put your video up there and I everyone liked it did they said hey put your video up here and we might give you a front of the line pass and i was like what yes so i told everybody at work to go like like and comment on it and everything else um and i guess it didn't even need it because there was like five people and yeah so um I will be arriving fashionably late tomorrow around 11-ish at the Knoxville uh, Coliseum or Auditorium, and um, I'm going to chill, and it's going to be all good, and yes, I do have a cold. I don't care. It's going to be fine. Well, like I was saying last Sunday, hopefully this will work like when Phoebe got sick on Friends, and it made her yeah. voice all flimmy, and then everybody's like, oh my god, <laughs> you're awesome. So hopefully yeah. you'll Phoebe this tomorrow. It, it does. Although, well, I've, I've been practicing like a good little, you know music person and uh yeah it sounds pretty good it's funny because i'll talk and i sound kind of froggy and the more i talk the more froggy i sound but then i sing and i sound fine and as soon as i start talking again i sound like kermit died in my throat so i, I think, think it's like when you hear yourself recorded 
right. you think you sound weird because you don't sound more froggy the more you talk. I've been talking to you all see, day. Yeah, see, I think I sound way more froggy. Like I can hear it in myself, and it feels different. But at the same time, like when I sing, it's not there. So I think, you know, this is well, a lifetime, <laughs> a lifetime of classic musical vocal training being put to work. Right here. I am sure yeah. you're going to be fabulous. All right, I want to hit a <laughs> not really a news story, but something that's been sticking in my crawl. Oh, Odell, God. today <laughs> on the music page, I posted this interview that Al Jurgensen from Ministry did about the new album. And the new album, of course, is harsh on the Trump administration. And that album right. was written right when Trump took office. So, I mean, it is gone freaking light years. It, it like insane corruption beyond when he wrote that album. This oh, yeah. thing happens. I subscribe to these different music sites. They're music sites. They're not political sites like Noisy and like Marshally and all these different, you know, turntable, tubular, whatever that site is. But okay. every day, something will come across about a musician. Taylor Swift said vote blue. Willie Nelson's playing a show for Beto O'Rourke down in Texas. Um, Eminem wrote a song about Donald Trump on a new album. And you go right. to the comment thread, and it is just like, fuck you, fuck you, libtards. I'll never listen to you again. Shut up and play. Just shut up and play your music. They're all libtards. And it is just seething with these dudes, these, like, Trump dudes that are just, like, seething with hate. And they're like, I'm going to burn all my Taylor Swift albums. You know, when I hear that, all <laughs> I see is, like, Nazis burning books. Like, if you're going to oh, yeah. burn your albums because somebody said something in their public life you don't agree with, how is that any like how is that not fascism 101? But the the point I'm getting to is I always see these cats, they're boycotting everything. Every channel, every award show, Saturday Night Live, Mad Magazine, they're, they're smashing their cure at coffee makers, they're shooting their fucking um, what are those, Wendigo coolers or Sasquatch coolers, whatever they're called. Yeti. They're Yeti, thank Yeti. you. They're Yeti coolers <laughs> and they're like burning their NFL jerseys and stuff. And they always oh, say, God. like, oh, that's the M&M. We're not buying your albums anymore. Do you think any of these artists actually give a shit? I mean, Eminem said, I could lose half my fan base and I don't care. Do you think, yeah, A, he, they yeah. give a shit? And, B, do you think it's actually hurting any of their sales? Um, well, for, like, Eminem, he, he told them. He was like, look, I, I, I am drawing the line in the sand. So you're either on this side or you're not. And if you're not on this side, well, you know, you know where you can go. Um. For most for most artists, I don't think it. I don't think it really. Let me preface it by this: the ones that are already established are already established. So I don't think it's going to affect their sales. And the funny thing is, and it's very so you don't think the they're going to take down Barbara Streisand after fifty years? No, I mean it, it, it's funny you say that because you know what? When Barbara Streisand comes to town. And she's up there doing her thing. Those same people that were screaming, I hate this and I hate Barbara Streisand will be right there at the show singing her song. Is it the or same with the NFL? Because you're a football guy and I'm not. Is it is the yeah. NFL bleeding fans because of this kneeling controversy? No, they're, they're, it's, it's funny you say that because uh, I believe their ratings are up. Um, they had a slight loss in fan base last year, but that was more so because there's so many options on TV now, and there's so many ways you can access the NFL or access sports in general that people just, you know, we're in a society now where everybody wants everything so fast. So a lot of people don't want to sit through an NFL game. A lot of people don't want to go to an right. NFL game because it's, it's a pain in the butt to go. It's expensive. I can imagine. And 
Yeah. So, you know, the people that you did lose are usually the ones that weren't really fans anyways. They were more the French people. They'll watch, you know, if a particular person's on. But if you look at it this year, apparently, you know, from what I've read, their sales are back up, you know, uh, so what, still, do you, what do you think these Trump pricks want when they go all of these comment threads and they're like, Willie Nelson, uh, you portrayed me. I didn't know you were a libtard. I didn't know you were a snowflake. Like, how would you think Willie Nelson was a Republican <laughs> to start with? But what do they want when they're just going out or spewing all this hate all the time? Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I don't think they know what they want. That's the problem. I really don't think they know what they want. You can look. I mean, think about it. A handful of years ago, Kanye West sat up there and said, George Bush doesn't uh, care about black people. Now he was like, you know, oh, we love Kanye West. It's like, wait a minute. Whoa. Oh, no, but pause. they hate him again now. That's what's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. They, they hated Kanye. <laughs> and then you go on these comment threads and they're like, Kanye West, you traitor. We hate you. Get out of this country, libtard. Shut up and rap, libtard. And then he got buddy-buddy with Trump because they're from the reality TV world. They're from that same mm -hmm. world. And he went to the White House. And then all of these conservatives, all these Trump dudes were like, liberals hate Kanye because they're racist. We've always loved Kanye. Then a week later, Kanye comes out and goes, I was brainwashed. I was manipulated. I didn't mean any of that. And those same cats are like, well, fuck Kanye then. Yeah. Kanye was a deep yep. state. Like they were saying Al Jurgensen is a deep state propagandist. They were saying Eminem was a politically correct social justice lawyer. And I just yeah. feel like it's like the world is topsy turvy, dude. What is wrong with these kids? And I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but every day I'm just trying to look at some cool music, and it's like Axl Rose says Trump can't use his music at his rallies, and then the crew are like, "Fuck you, Axl! You fucking drug addict, piece of shit!" Like Axl, yeah, yeah. like Axl's not living in nine mansions, you know, like yeah, like shit about them. Exactly, like I said, you know, they don't care. I mean, it's so funny you say that because I just watched that next. Uh, I think was yeah Netflix uh, thing on Johnny Cash and Richard Nixon. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's uh, oh, that sounds interesting. Tricky, Tricky Dick and the and the Man in Black, and it's so good. You got to watch it because it's basically, you know, they both sort of came from poor areas and they made their way up. But you know, Johnny Cash is this you know legend and this country legend. So he. Uh, and, and, and Richard Nixon sweated him, so he wanted him to play at the White House, but he wanted him to, to play, you know, um, what song was it? Uh, I think uh, Welfare Cadillac. Or I think it was like Welfare Cadillac or Cadillac Welfare or whatever, and then something else. And Johnny Cash was like, no, I'm not playing that. He was, <laughs> he was, he was like, you know, I understand what you're trying to get out of me, but I'm Johnny Cash, and screw you. I will play what I want to play. And it's pretty much like you were saying with these guys, you know, they're like, no, one, you're not using our music. Two, um, you can say whatever you want about me because I don't care. I'm already there. You know, I'm already here. And, 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 and you know, so, yeah, it's, it's funny when you see people just go off the deep end like that. For, for and the same I'll say this that, last thing, too. The thing they always preference it with, as they're having a drama queen meltdown, is shut up, Snowflake. They're, they're screaming oh, yeah. Snowflake as they're yeah. literally, but they're like, shut up, Snowflakes! Shut up! You're all Snowflake! 
And I'm like, like Al Jurgensen said in an interview I put on our page today, you sh- don't pay attention to what, who Taylor Swift's voting for. Don't pay attention to my opinion. Think for yourself, man. Yeah. Why yeah, are you oh paying my God. attention at, to me? Look at the backlash Taylor Swift got within a week. She came out and said what she said, and it was like, oh, Taylor Swift. Da, da, da. And it was so ironic. It was so crazy because it was like, you know, just a couple years ago, you had Kanye as the bad guy. You remember when he interrupted Taylor yep. Swift and everybody was like, oh, you know, now it's totally switched over. And then, like, when, um, well, Tennessee, so, like, when the, the candidate that she was, um, you know, uh, you know, stomping for loss, and everybody's like, ha, 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 Taylor Swift, take that. And Taylor Swift is sitting back there like, do you think I really care what you think <laughs> about me? You know, I, I, like, seriously, I oh, well, I'll, I will, I, I think I'll get over it and move on to the next thing. But it's like, they're like, ha, ah, we got you, Taylor Swift. Yeah, take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you continue to struggle, and she'll go ahead and continue to make hits and, and, and be okay. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, we got to get our guest in here. Dee, who do we have coming up on the show in the next couple weeks? Oh, my goodness. Do you really want to start that? No. Uh, This Sunday, (laughs) we have from... Don't restart me, because it's like pulling a string on like an old G.I. Joe doll. You could get me right back So this Sunday, from Midnight Madness, from War Games, and from Greece itself, oh, my God, we have Eddie Deason coming on. Uh, he was also in uh, Polar Express. He's in all yeah, kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like, it's craziness. He's one of those guys. Um, next month on <laughs> Musical Osmosis, we're going to have the Joeys are going to come on and join us. That's so going to be fun. Can I interrupt you real quick? Did you check these cats out? And I sent you a thing. I said, hey, you got to oh, check these kids out. Oh, my God. They're like and when little I, uh, kids. kids. And they're, they're freaking between amazing. 12 yes. and 15. Like, yeah, yeah. You, it's, you just can't even, like... I, I'm I'm like, why are they not on an EGT? Like seriously, like they're really good. Well, they're prime. They're a, they would be a great band. I I joined this site called Drupal, and it's this really cool site for musicians. Yes. And the Joey's, this guy Dean from the Joey's, reached out to me, and um, I'm like, yeah, man, some of your stuff. So I was watching some of the videos, and I'm like, you know how some people look younger than yes. they are. I mean, I look quite a bit younger. I, I think that I am. At least I used to really look younger than I was. I still get caught for mm-hmm. cigarettes. You know, it's cool. And I was like, man, these kids look like they're in middle school. They like, they like can't, kids. right? Yeah. And I wrote them, I said, hey, man, not that it matters about the interview. You've got the interview either way. I dig your music. But how old are you guys? And he's like, we're between the ages of 12 and 15. Our singer Faith is 12 and I'm 15. I know. And, you like, know, the drummer's yeah. like 13. And I was just blown, dude. Yeah. Could you imagine having chops like that when you were twelve? Having well, shit like, together like that when you were twelve? Right. I remember. Uh, I remember My playing. Was Thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> I remember playing. Well, we played with a band um, from DC that was like playing the Black Cat, and I mean playing with big time DC bands, uh, Thirty Cent Thieves, and their oldest I think at the time was sixteen, and the youngest was eleven. Wow. And they're they're like doing it, and then. Um, so when impressive. I was in the fall, mm-hmm. when I was in the fallen one, there was a band that actually was touring. They were touring. The oldest was eighteen, the youngest was fourteen, and we had to sneak. We had to basically be there. Like, like they played the Velvet Lounge, which is like a slash bar slash club, and we had to pretty much be like, yeah, those guys are with us, and we had to. And I was like, and, and they were from like Iowa or I somewhere in the Midwest, and I was wow. like. Who I said, how did you guys do this and that? And they were like, <laughs> our parents were like, our parents were 
you know, I was like, how are your parents cool with this? And they were like, they were the ones that bought our van. They were the ones that were like, hey, you know, this would be a great experience for you guys. I was like, oh, my gosh. And Those they are some smart them. parents. Yeah, so we're, I, don't, I mean, sure. I don't know what they're doing now, but, yeah, they were, the oldest was 18 and the youngest was wow. 15. And they were and they were playing, like, uh, full-on tour. But that support system is a whole ball game, yeah. right? They had supportive awesome. parents where my dad was yeah. like, cut your hair, you piece of shit. So, I mean, that's yeah. the whole ball game when it comes yeah. to, like, getting a jump on success like yep. that. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. B. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, and my only thing with bands like that is that when someone is too young, sometimes they have a tendency to sing songs that are older than their experience, and it seems disingenuous. Um, mm-hmm. And this is always my complaint when I watch AGT also, because we watch basically religiously. And then when someone's really, really young, their voice hasn't changed. So they don't have that depth and that richness. Got to be like Manu, right. though, where they just killed right. the kids when they hit puberty. Well, it's children with <laughs> corn, but, you know, uh, you know, Menudo is made with corn, so that makes complete sense. <laughs> no, anyway, um, <laughs> next month we're going to have, uh, on Kettle of Fish, we're going to have comedian uh, Natasha Ferrier. She is from Nashville, and that'll be sweet. We should totally see what she's doing for New Year's, though. Tonight's guest personifies the word groovy. She is a writer a musician and a podcaster that brings the happy everywhere she goes, the self-proclaimed queen of poolside glitter trash. It's Haley Kane from Haley and the Crushers. Hey, I'm just uh, <laughs> hanging out in my pool, you know, sipping on some cough syrup, trying to trying to party like you guys. Nice. Oh, I, I appreciate that, you that, trying to Nick. pair it. Yeah, our codeine and Mick Ultra way. Yeah, he's he's sipping on the scissor, not me. <laughs> That's <laughs> how you party. I actually knew a kid when I was little, this kid, Rusty, who drank a bunch of cough syrup and ran away from home on a riding lawnmower. True story. Wow, just like George Jones. Oh, my God. And it was easy to find, too. (laughs) He was down from where Chris Godfrey used to live over on, what was that? What was that road? No, that back road where Malcolm was. Malcolm Elementary School. St. Peter's? Yeah, no. Yeah, I think so. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, Yeah, he yep. lived back there. He, he was, like, hopped up on codeine and um, alcohol, and he jumped on his parents' riding lawnmower and was, like, 16 and ran away from home on it. Why oh does gosh. that totally seem like something that would – wait, was this in McKeesport? No, it was in Waldorf. <laughs> no, this, See, is, this is in Waldorf. Okay, pretty close. That totally seems hey, like hey, a hey, hey. I mean, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a McKeesport story, for real. Like, wait, where was... So, where was the guy who got arrested for drunk driving on the lawnmower? Was that McKeesport or Waldorf? No, I, that wasn't anybody I knew. I had to take a class because I was driving without insurance. And they had showed a story from Calvert County where this guy... Um, got arrested for drunk driving on his riding lawnmower, but he was in his own yard, and they were just trying to show how fucked up the drunk driving laws were. Oh so that anyway. was anyway, yeah. like he was partying on a lawnmower. We digress. We're good at it. Anyway. Yeah, we should talk to Haley. Haley, thanks so much <laughs> for coming in tonight. I didn't catch the theme. I didn't realize we were going full drunk lawnmower, but I'm here for it. I'm ready. <laughs> and we're going fun. full drunk everything tonight. Bring it. Hey. I mean, out. Out here in California, there's not much lawn to speak of. Right? Uh, you yes. have one. It's brown yeah. or on fire. So. Yeah, I was going to say, are you safe? Are you in an area that is safe? Or are you someplace that – because we, we actually did have to 
um, cancel one of this month's guests because they had to be evacuated. So are you like yeah. in an area that you're cool? Yeah, I'm about a hundred miles from the nearest one. Um, I'm okay. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's scary. I mean, our, my friend's house and uh, burned down last year. Um, it just hits really close to home when, um, yeah, people, you know, are starting to, you know, lose stuff, lose their livelihoods and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty crazy, but you know, everywhere you live, there's some issue, whether it's tornadoes or whatever. I mean, it's like, I always say it's either heavenly perfect in California or you're on fire. So, you know, how it is out here. Um, but yeah, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. That's kind of the extremes from a place where you can go surfing in the morning and then go skiing at night. With just driving a couple hours, right? I mean, we don't have. I mean, there's not much snow even in the mountains, really. I mean, you could kind of. Because I used to live in Sacramento, and we could like go out in the beach area and then drive up to Truckee and go skiing in the same day. Sure, sure. Well, I don't ski. Um, The last time I tried to ski, I was crying, and I had a man with a snowmobile rescue me. Um, Surfing, I've done a little, um, but I am I, not really an all-action kind of gal, so mostly just guitar. I was going to say, all there your action go. is on stage. Hell yeah. Definitely. Hey, and I got to give you a compliment right off the bat, too. And this is probably the best kind of compliment I think an artist can get. And this kind of goes beyond, um, like, your music chops or your writing is great or you have, like, this great business savvy for me, your music and videos, this this is the compliment, makes me happy. And I think that's the whole ballgame right there. It's as simple as that. I watch your videos, I listen to your music, and it fucking makes me happy. Yeah. Thank you. I think the world needs that right now, and I hope I can do yes. that for people. Thank you. And that's a great thing, too. And I'm real into this thing that I call um, weaponized creativity where things Mm. got so bad for so long and i was doing politics full-time i was writing for a political site and doing a political show panel show called the ignorance equation with a really right-wing guy and it just got totally toxic and when all of that went down and i kind of left that world i was like dude i'm gonna put so much happy and so much good out there it is just gonna be weaponized creativity because you can't fight fire with fire with these dudes all you Mm-mm, can do no. is just keep creating beautiful stuff, and they're like That's the Grinch. They hate it. Like they, if they're, they're, there's nothing to hate more. It's like seeing people happy when it's like all these miserable dudes that are always flipping out all the time. So that's what I'm into. Yeah. I and I think that. you guys yeah, think, bring the happy. I think weirdly, one of the most subversive things you can do as an artist, and especially as a female artist, is to not only like do cool shit and make cool art, but to fucking have fun while you're doing Amen. it. Like right, it yeah. makes people lose their fucking minds. They're like, you're it doing does. this and that, and you're fucking enjoying it. And you're, you're up there in a swimsuit and you're having fun doing it. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I want to cut through all the politics. I mean, politics are important to me. Obviously my podcast is very political, but there, you gotta, we have to have joy too. We can't just have the outrage porn every day. Uh-huh. You know, like exactly. I get outraged, I get pissed, but you know, we still need to have fun. And like you say, I'm groovy. I love that word. I think that's the word we should bring back. It's like grooviness was like the shit. You know, yeah. And I was yeah, and groovy came. I mean, you think about it during the times of that word and. 
that type of talk came out was during very politically, racially charged times. And, you know, I mean, the cradle of punk rock is in the Reagan era. I know it existed a little bit before that, but it Mm -hmm. really got the ground under its feet was during the Reagan area. And that always brings out the most creative stuff because people are trying to express themselves. And if you can't express yourself in a way that's just full steam political, then you find other ways. And I always tell like yeah. artists we have on the show, let's let's create some beautifully subversive moments together. Because even if we're not talking politics, the moments are subversive if we're just being creative. Oh, sure. Totally. Let's not forget, though, that Johnny Ramone loved Reagan. Just putting that out yes, there. Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. Haley schooled me. I didn't right know now. that. Yeah, oh, dude. Yeah, he's. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking yeah. of groovy in your style, you know, I always tell D that I was born in the wrong century. I would have been perfect if I was born in the turn of the 20th century, and I was in my 20s and the 1920s when everything was dapper and like you like wore a suit to go on a plane and got dressed up to go to the movies and everything was styling. And I watch your videos and I watch the style that you have. Do you kind of feel like you're out of step with the current times? Do you feel like you should have been born in a different era, Haley? Cause I know I do. I have thought about this a lot because the image I portray is, is, is very specific, but it's not like self-conscious. It's just who I am. And I think what it all comes down to is when I was uh, a kid, my sister and I were only allowed, the only freedom we had in Redondo Beach or Hermosa Beach, California, where we lived, uh, was to go down to the thrift store. That was like the only place we could skateboard to or walk to. So I think from a really, really, really young age, that was like my playground. So I could go there. I could find like crazy outfits and old Barbies Mm -hmm. and even records. I found some of my first records out in thrift stores and stuff. It was like this playground that was like mine, you know, I could afford, you know, a 25 cent, you know, old comic book or like an Elvis VHS or something. So I think I just really got into that whole vintage feel and vibe through some freaky childhood (laughs) connection that I had (laughs) with it. And I just kind of warped me in a weird way. Like, I remember, this is such a weird memory, but I remember like one of the first records that I got and I got this like little baby I'm 30 years old, by the way. Like, people were not listening to records. I mean, I guess they were, but it was like cassette tapes and CDs at that point. But, yeah, me and Odell's uh, in our mid-40s, so we were right, definitely so, listening of yeah, 45s I'm sure stuff. you were. I'm sure you were. But it was like <laughs> Wayne Newton, like Dockashane, and I remember playing it, like, on, like, the wrong speed. So it was like, Dockashane, darling, Dockashane. <laughs> and I remember just sitting there fucking so excited and happy about it. And I look back now, and I'm like, that is some weird, like, why was I so obsessed with, like, the past and, like, the romance of, you know, the 50s and the 60s? And, you know, obviously, it's not all romance. There's a lot of messed up stuff about those times. But I think I just, it just imprinted on me. So, I don't and know. And that's I the really stuff that gets it. encoded like, oh, on so your cool. DNA, though, from your childhood, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was little, I used to have all these sound effect records. Do you remember, Odell, those haunted house oh, records? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. One, <laughs> one time I was sitting there as Indian style, listening to my little 45, and I was making this, I was mimicking the sound effects as they were playing. And I was very, very animated about it. And my dad walked in and just shook his head. I was like six. He's like, What the hell is wrong with you? And he walked out. So, <laughs> like, are you a fan of Dr. Demento? 
Oh man! Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I also was, and that was still. It was still on the radio at that time. I do remember that. You must have been totally into that. Yeah, that and Weird Al. Me and D just went and saw Mm, Al last year. We were center. Like literally, like I set my Mad Magazine that he edited on, like leaned against one of the amplifiers that was right in front of me and he sang he, like he bent over and sang to me and I squealed like I was a tween <laughs> at like a, a Jonas Brothers concert like it was oh my God. I've been with her nine years I've <laughs> never made her squeal like that that's true. not like that that's our, our not had like that famously signed by Weird Al twice so he got two oh. signatures and he has not washed his face since I, I promise you yeah, <laughs> I, I was five seconds from asking him to sign my boob and then getting it like tattooed on, like, like, like I was. <laughs> hey, Haley, well, can, I give, can I give the audience uh-huh. some context here? Because oh, I, I just yeah, want to show like yeah. the connections we all make. I was having Alice Bag on the show a couple months ago. I was doing research. I ran across your podcast, um, Sparkle and Destroy. I listened to the episode with Alice. I immediately wrote you. I was like, man, your podcast is so personable. I love your podcast. Sent you a friend request. Then I started digging into all things Haley and the Crushers. Um, that's how I found you guys. I actually didn't find you through music. I found you through the podcast, like Backdoor first, because of that connection. Then I'm listening to you. You're talking to Alice. She introduces you to Fatty Cakes. You have Fatty Cakes on, and the wheel keeps on spinning. I know personally... Being a middle-aged man, if I didn't have this podcast, I would probably still be like some boring old man playing the same six fucking screeching wheel, screeching weasel records over and over again. Like this <laughs> oh, me too, though. Me too, though. Big me. fan here. Big fan here. Yes, absolutely. But this this podcast forces me to go on YouTube and look up different artists and get inspired by different things to keep it fresh and relevant. Do you find your podcast plays a part in Haley and the Crushers, or are they just two separate worlds? Or does it influence you as far as how you create music? So a couple years ago, I started a zine. And my whole premise of the zine was I was moving from Los Angeles to where I live now, San Luis Obispo, California, between LA and San Francisco. And my whole premise was I'm going to create this zine so I can insert myself into what's happening in the music scene and be of service. And I can learn about what's happening and be part of the scene and help in my own way and also know people. So when that went away and that Trump got elected, I had this urge again of like, okay, well, I want to be of service and I want to, I want to be in service of, of, of people greater than my own small community here in California and right talk to, and women were very triggered obviously by the whole pussy grabbing thing and all that stuff. Right. So right. It was really geared towards women. So my podcast really sprung out of this idea of like, okay, well, I want to be of service. This is one stupid little thing I can do that probably won't mean anything. Cause like most punk rock things, any of us do, as you probably know, it's like, sure you get some personal satisfaction out of it. But I was like, my main thing was like, how can I personally connect with, with female musicians or otherized musicians? And so mm-hmm. That's really what did it for me. I didn't even think about the applications of like, oh shit, like my band could be helped by this. Um, it wasn't so much about that. So the fact that you found my interview with Alice back first, like just makes me so excited. Like that's awesome. Um, Cause that's where I was coming from with it. It wasn't about me. I wanted to step outside myself. 
So um, I'm glad, though. That's great, you know. And but everything to leads to everything, yeah. right? So, like, yeah. I'm listening yeah. to your podcast, and then you do a podcast yeah. about your blog, which is your boyfriend in the band blog, and yeah. there is one posting on there in particular, the guy who asked to see my boobs in exchange for a free T-shirt that got a lot of attention. And yeah, I'm, I am reading this thing, and it is such a beautifully <laughs> well-written, like just insightful piece of material. Like you really break it down. Where if you read this and like you would have to be a robot not to be affected by it. You can't read this enough unless you're like some fucking incel kid or alt right dude. You're going to be affected by reading this. For people who aren't familiar with it, tell us a little bit about that blog posting. And what inspired, like, the incident, unfortunately, that inspired you to post that? Yeah. Uh, so my blog is called Is Your Boyfriend in the Band? And I started it when I was, like, 21 or 22. I was in a punk band called Magazine Dirty, and we played with all sorts of legendary. We opened up for tons of legendary punk bands. I mean, it was amazing. Like, it was, it was a really great experience in my life, but I also experienced a lot of sexism at that time. So that's kind of the basis of the website. Like, I just thought, you know, there's, I'm a woman with a guitar. There's other women like me out there if I have a thought or a feeling or whatever, I can, I can share that here. And that was the point of that. Okay. The blog post you're talking about that got all the crazy attention, which was so weird to me. Cause I just, it was just so stream of consciousness from my heart um, was about a tour that Haley and the crushers went on um, this past summer to Colorado and a particular show where we were playing this bar, you know, like there's always those venues where people are like, Oh shit, you're playing there. Like, <laughs> because it's kind of yeah. a rough place. Yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, like, I saw two hookers, like, on speed, like, fighting in the pit. And then, like, the ceiling crashed and, like, a UFO, like, landed. And then, like, like it was so funny because the whole tour, people were like, oh, you're playing this venue? Like, it's going to be wild. It's going to be, you're not going to, you know, raccoons something's going to go down. shoelaces, <laughs> like, dumpster raccoons yeah. stealing your shoelaces. I know. <laughs> and it was kind of fun. I was like, oh, I love, I love, like, old legendary divey things. I just thought, oh, this will be cool. It'll be part of this history, you know? And, um, but, but nothing, it was weird because we were, we were super welcomed in and it was like a super metal kind of show. And it was super dude kind of show. I was the only woman there, only woman on the bill. I mean, there were like two, two women there. One was a trans woman, I think. And uh, yeah, it was just like, really? You're going to, a fellow band member from one of the bands that we played with is going to like, you know, say that they'll give me a free t-shirt if I show them my boobs. Like, really? Like, really? Really? Like, I came all the way out here for this. And like, my, I hope that I wasn't calling people out because my I hate calling. But the piece is beautiful. Like shit, it just but... sounds like a simple dick moment <laughs> when you say it like that. But when you break yeah. this piece down, how excited you were about A, how grateful you were about B, how you were looking forward to C, and then how this yeah. dude like diffused all that by da 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 da. I felt welcome. It was so metal, and I was like, and I was wearing my swimsuit, my go-go boots, and I was headbanging. Like it was metal. Like I was feeling like, you know what? I'm going to get back into metal and like, uh-huh. like <laughs> it inspired something in me. I was yeah. Like, it would take yeah, a lot to inspire cool. that in me. <laughs> metal heads are cool. And in fact, I'll tell you really quickly. Um, so after that post happened, it never heard from the band. It's fine, whatever. But I got a lot of attention and another podcast did a whole podcast about it. It was a whole thing. Um, but I did this contest for my new album where if you pre-save it on Spotify, you have a chance to win a free pizza. 
And the dude that won the pizza was the booker for that bar. No way. <laughs> yeah, but the band cool guy though. who did that to you never called? Because I know he had to have heard it. It was everywhere, right? He had to, it, it had to get back to him, right? The post. But here's the thing. I'm sure. But the thing is, like, as a woman, is do I rest my, my peace and my sense of, like, okayness in the world by somebody saying they're sorry? Like, if I did that, I would never right. feel good. I can't. Yeah. (laughs) She knows what's up. Um, Oh, yeah. That's not anything I'm asking of this person. I I'm glad, though, that this this thought I had to just break it down and just show my experience in a very calm manner that it it did affect you in that way where you felt you felt what I felt like that makes me really happy because that's yeah. all I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to be like, you should burn down this venue. In fact, I sent an extra large pizza to the venue to the dude who put on the dude, show. You so, had yeah. me thinking about shit. I did in high school 30 years ago. Like, <laughs> Hey, was yeah, I over I, the line? Was I a dick? You know, it's, I, I <laughs> loved, I really, perfect. I'm not perfect either. Well, no, ahead, nobody sorry. is, but I did really, really, really like really love that you, you just put it out there because I think, and and you were very correct. So many of us, um, whether we are blessed quote unquote or not, as I have been since middle school. Um, but you just put it out there in a way that I was like, Oh my God, we totally do that. Like I stopped wearing turtlenecks in middle school why not because they weren't comfortable not because I didn't like the way they looked but because when I sat next to my desk which was more comfortable for me so that I could write properly people noticed and people commented and I stopped wearing turtlenecks because it showed off what I had that I couldn't help there's like a gradual like disappearing into yourself where you're like there is don't want to be seen and wow it's crazy because it reminds me and it just reminded me like this very second. So I know the exact moment in which I realized that, or not even realized, but the exact moment in which I thought that I had to be ashamed of my body because I was in third grade and I was wearing those stirrup pants. I don't know if you remember those, but they were like stretchy <laughs> pants with the little loop on mm-hmm. the bottom. So they fit over your foot and they were super yeah. comfortable. Well, I mean, I, I was, you know, not a thin child. I was a thin high schooler. Um, but I, I remember somebody told me that I looked fat and it hit me and I looked at myself and I believed them. And I thought that's the moment that my entire psyche changed and it's just those little things that people don't realize that they're commenting and it's not so much to comment on the way you look like I tell my friends they're beautiful or they're attractive or you know if they have something in their hair like one of my really well my best friend at work um you know if he's got like a piece of something in his hair I'm like wait 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 come here and I'll, you know, grab it for him because he's my friend and I want him to feel confident, not because he's, you know, he has a freaking thing in his hair and I don't want him to look stupid. It's just because I care about him as a human being. And I'm like, oh my God, like why? It just points out very 
very acutely that that minute that someone in 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 your in this case you stopped being a human being and started being for somebody else and it really mm-hmm. like there's so many emotions behind that like i can't even right. and but i kind of i kind of want to not to interrupt you but i kind of want to embrace like my own sexuality as a woman yeah. by like the things i wear i wear like a swim i mean i wear go-go boots in a swimsuit and like Freaking crazy right, shit man. and like you should but i'm owning it i'm owning it as who i am and yeah. um i think we're all kind of especially in the spotlight we're all going to be seen in certain ways and yeah. we have no control over that but we're able to present ourselves especially as women however we feel comfortable and being right. okay with that and thinking like you know i don't have to i guess one of the things i always resented about growing up in the late nineties, early two thousands was I felt like a lot of women tried to be like one of the dudes. Like they didn't, yeah. that didn't seem very feminist to me. Um, why not be a woman and be who you are and being exactly, a rock yeah. Exactly. Why the fuck Just not? Be exactly who you uh, are and now, don't have to apologize for bands it. Like, like Kitty. Like you remember the band Kitty? Oh yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, I remember we played their fans people. more than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just I'm imagine all these bands that are kind of more like we're like. Well, I guess maybe they didn't dress like. It doesn't matter. I just I think we have to accept. Well, that, that I think that's why we like, are and just yeah. Yeah, that's why I loved. I I loved band. Well, I mean, I'm me and Nick are in our mid forties, so Kitty was sort of at that stage where okay, I was like, all right, this is not the stuff that I, I'm really big into, but like I was a huge. Still am, but I was a huge Muffs fan. I was a huge Bikini Kill fan. Yep. L7, Sonic Youth. Yeah. And all, the Breeders, uh, you know, all of those bands. And, and all of the, the women that were in those bands still had, like you said, they were badass. Don't forget Lords of still, Acid. Yeah, yeah. But they still, yes. But they still had that feminine touch. Garbage was another one. Garbage sort of brought yes. that back a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, I remember going to see them play, and I was like, you know, she owned uh, the stage, like, owned the stage. And it's very – and it was at that time when, like, the Limp Biscuits and the Corn and, like you said, the Kitties and all that male, like, uh, Woodstock 99 business was going on. Yeah. And she still presented that, like, like that female, like, I am a woman. I embrace it. I'm not trying to be like any of these people here and, and yeah. owned it, you know? So yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. yeah. Full Beyonce. Just exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Be exactly <laughs> yeah. who you are yeah. and yeah. not I, give a yeah. fuck about what anybody else thinks. But let no. me, this no. is really. perfect to segue though, into that article that was going around about a month ago that Fender had done this research and found 50% of all guitar sales now are from young women. And I know yeah. I sent it to you, Haley, but I know you probably saw it before that because it was everywhere. Do you think mm-hmm. we're starting to move in the right direction in the music industry? I know there's a lot of sexism and misogyny in the metal world. I mean, I was a metalhead before I was a punk rocker back in the 80s. I was a metalhead. So I understand that world. Do you think we're moving in the right direction or is these just too much of baby steps? No, I can tell you for sure we are because we tour a lot and the places that we go, there's always young women starting bands. More often than mm-hmm. not, we have yes. at least a couple of them on the bill. Um, they are mobilized and doing weird, cool stuff and different stuff, even stuff that we're 
I'm 30, but I feel like I'm kind of an old guard now. And maybe some of these younger women that are coming up are doing even more outrageous, even more political, even stuff to this kind of like Alice Bag stuff where it's like very uh, in your face, very visceral, very cutting, um, really like modern kind of discordant guitar sounds that I don't even resonate with because I feel like I'm more of the old guard. So I do see like this great, cool avant-garde activism thing happening that said does it make it a good song does it make it a good band i'm not going to say you're a good band just because you're you have women in your band and i have definitely been on the flip side of that i want to say like fuck being pc i've been put on shows good-naturedly by promoters that say oh cool well you're a woman you're a female front woman guitarist i'm going to put you on a bill with all these other women i'm like cool cool but it only took a couple of those to go a little bit sour and go, you know what, just because these are women on stage doesn't mean that the genres work. Doesn't mean that like, exactly. we're all going to like, that's yep. some bullshit. And, and, and I think that's the, that's the struggle now is like some of the women that, so most, most of the dudes that have been in bands forever, like their brothers were in bands and their, their fathers were in bands. And there's like this long legacy of, it's almost like black home ownership. Like uh, that was a thing that is, 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 pretty it's it's very modern like a lot of a Mm -hmm. lot of african-americans weren't able to get houses they weren't able to get mortgages so they there's that's why there's that discrepancy there for women it's like our moms weren't in bands our fucking sisters weren't in bands i mean i was the exception my sister left behind a guitar that she barely played that had an anarchy symbol on it on the headstock and i had to like look it up (laughs) you know but i think that's (laughs) the struggle it's like a lot of these women they're coming into it with a really fresh really vibrant perspective because they didn't have brothers or, fa- or I'm sorry, mothers or, or sisters or, or so is that good or bands. bad it's that they great. don't have that sense of legacy, awesome. but they don't have it's that awesome. sense, of, sense of legacy to bring to it. Who cares? Start okay. over, you know, build the legacy. I mean, you think, of, That's interesting. Yeah, you think about, think about the, like, you know, we were talking earlier about different music coming out at different times. You're talking about punk rock in the eighties. Well, you know, look at, your R&B that came out in the, in the sixties and seventies by mm-hmm. like powerful female, look at Tina Turner for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Tina Turner is the baddest woman on the planet. I don't care what anybody says. I like, don't know. My mom yeah. and I, her, I don't know. Between her and Simone, a, she freaking between her. Ass. No, but I'm talking about, you think about what Tina Turner went through she was and the fact that her. she was getting like her ass beat and she yeah. was still going out perform to the point where she finally was fed up with it and beat his ass. And then, yeah. and then turn into the, you know, the diva that she already was, but even more so now, I mean, it's, it's just a powerful thing. Aretha Franklin is another one, you know, you, a lot of the civil rights leaders that were funded were by her money because she, yeah. <laughs> she was such a prominent figure that she could afford because she, Dolly Parton's another one where yeah. they were like, oh, you know, yeah. look at Dolly Parton and Elvis, you know, Elvis wanted to buy her music and use it. And she was like, uh, no, you can use it, but I get the credit <laughs> for it. You know what I mean? And, well, living and, and in the shadow like, yeah, how, yeah. of Pigeon yeah. Forge. How, how dare you, yeah, how dare you tell, tell Elvis you, that? Yeah. Dolly Parton yeah. is a warrior, dude. She is fierce. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, all that, when all that shit went down in Pigeon Forge and we had those wildfires, yeah. she financed a lot of that rebuilding. She gave, that and yep. she didn't just finance that. She gave millions to the families to house them until they could afford to house themselves. 
Like yeah, he's I, been there. I actually you know? I know someone who works at Dollywood now, and she's like, you know, I may only work a couple days a week, but the benefits are so amazing. There's no way in hell I'm gonna quit. Like yeah, no way. Dolly Parton is no. a hero. Can Can you get me? Like a tour of Do- like I want to go on tour and like play Dollywood. That would be, you know what? Honestly, and this is so sad. We've lived in this area for uh, almost ten years, and I have never been to Dollywood. Actually, my wife of six days. No. My I I met a girl online. This is a crazy story. <laughs> I married my best friend. I knew her for like twenty years. I knew her since high school. I married her in that relationship, that marriage crashed and burned in like six months. So I met a girl online and we just clicked. We hit it off. And we were standing in front of a comic book store. And she's like, you know, we're going to get married, right? I said, yeah. And she's like, let's get married now. And we went to the courthouse and got married. Didn't even know each other for 24 hours. But anyway, she played Mary Poppins at Dollywood. And six days later, she she left me to go live with the Hopi Indians in New Mexico. And abandoned me, and I had to file abandonment charges. And but that's long story not short, to say that the internet Paisley sucks worked. for meeting people because Nick and I met on the internet. So on the same site, and we've been together nine years. So that part I didn't know. Yeah. Please tell me you didn't use the same opening line. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's, that's another well. topic. So yeah. Haley, uh, it's like <laughs> <laughs> well, you, we don't have I, a lot of time left. Piece, Let's talk about the yeah. new album. I, I need yeah. to escape this conversation. <laughs> Let's talk about the new album. All right, yes. so the album came out in September. Cool, lame. Um, what I'm really interested in is the creative process. Talk a little bit about the creative process and how that process was different, if at all, from the writing of your first LP, Jewel Case. In terms of the songs or in terms of everything? Just in terms of overall, were you going into it with a different sense? Are you one of these people who, like me, when I do something, I have to do something kind of completely different the next time? Or are you somebody who has like a formula, or do you just live in the moment and do whatever feels right creatively when you're making music? I mean, I guess the main difference for this one is that we sought out a different producer. We sought out Bart Thurber, House of Faith Studios in Oakland, who recorded it all to tape, which was, was pretty cool. And he also had done a lot of Bay Area punk bands that I, I really liked. Um, everybody from Neurosis to UK Subs, um, some yeah. crazy shit. I mean, not that they're from the Bay Area, but just an insane array of bands and uh, a legendary dude. So I think that was one of the things where I thought, you know, Jewel Case was cool, but that was kind of a homegrown effort here uh, in our little corner of California. And I thought, you know what, let's find somebody that inspires us and just like, it's crazy that he did a bunch of stuff for the, this band called the Meat Shits, which were like this crazy sexist metal band. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I later found like all these crazy like lyrics and stuff while I was in the studio that were like super insane and like super like pornographic and crazy. Um, that's a total aside. Uh, the question at hand. Okay, so we I saw a dude out that I thought was just going to like bring something to it. And Bart is amazing. And he did do that. Um, I think also we were, it was very conceptual, the cool lame thing. This all came from, of course, Huey Lewis in the news, hip to be square. Cause let's wow. not lie. Sports is a fucking <laughs> awesome banger of a record. Can we just get some like, yeah, like some, some hell yeah for fucking Huey yeah. Lewis. I only know <laughs> yeah. the song from back to the future. So <laughs> yeah, we have a running joke on stage where like Reed, my, my husband, Dr. Reed Kane Esquire, my bass player would say, uh, you know, like, 
what did he say? It was, he always has a joke about Huey Lewis. He always has a different joke. But um, so, so the, whole, the, whole, the whole concept was we're so sick of, like, going to shows and, like, people not dancing and normcore. I don't know if you know what normcore is out there, but, like, normcore is huge in California, which is basically, like, I don't care about anything I'm wearing or anything I'm doing. I'm just, you know, very normal. And, and that's kind of what makes me cool. Like I'm wearing like a windbreaker I found at like Goodwill that has like Mickey Mouse on it and like a shitty, you know, shitty hat with like, you know, a Marlboro, you know, thing on it. And like, I just don't give a shit about my style. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so organic that I'm just who I am. And, and that also includes, you know, being on my phone the whole show and not dancing and not smiling and not having any fun and just being a general downer. So like, that was the whole thing that like we noticed in punk and rock music, like the last couple of years that we were like, you know what, let's do an album and just call it cool lame. It'll harken back to the days of hot or not, uh, which I remember when you put your photo up on the internet, yes. and, you know, see if people think you're hot or not. And so that was the whole concept that, that really like informed the album. It was very like, like, when you listen to the album, it's ridiculous. Like, there's, like, 50s soda pop kind of sounding shit, and then there's, like, a, a song like um, Threat Level Red, which sounds really, like, rock and roll, satanic, intense. And then there's, you know, 80s-inspired, very 80s, very, like, produced, polished-sounding things on it. So we were basically saying, like, fuck you. I don't care if you think it's cool or lame. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you dislike it. I don't care if you share it. I don't care if you post it. Like, I don't care. Um, and that was kind of the whole concept behind it. And that was what really like, I don't know, just like enveloped the whole idea was to just be outrageous. Like if you look at the album, there's one, two, three, there's nine pictures of us on the album. Cause there's wow. us on the front, there's us on the back. And then there's us holding our own photos out uh, <laughs> with an, so-called embarrassing <laughs> pictures of ourselves in our hands. And like in a day and age when like people don't even put their pictures on a, on a record, it's like, we're out there. We're just out there doing our thing. You can think we're cool. You can think we're not cool. We don't care at this point. We've all been doing music for over 10 years or more. We've all been putting out records. And at this point, like, who gives a shit? Well, you know, yeah. and I think it was yesterday we bought your digital discography. And I was like, I got to pick out the favorite song. And it was so hard. And I picked 1039, <laughs> which we're going to play now. And I was like, God, if I pick the first song on the album, it's going to sound like I didn't listen to any of the others. I was like, oh, I'm just going to pick the first song. But I got to tell you, <laughs> 1039 is my favorite song. And I've been, Dee could tell you, I'm obsessive when it comes to music. And I've been listening to he all is. your stuff obsessively for the last two weeks. I'll hear you the same five songs for the next two weeks and nothing else. <laughs> That's like because I, I can never get it out of my system. I listen to it, and I just don't mm -hmm. get tired of stuff. And I'm just like, oh, man. Where most oh, people yeah, get okay. a song stuck in their head, and then you have to listen to it to completion in order to get it out. He has to listen to it to completion about 15 times in a row for To be fun. fair, I was interrupted yesterday <laughs> because Bad Medicine from Bon Jovi was Sing. playing in my head all day while I was Ooh, sick. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is the worst part it of being rubs sick. Off on me. So I know yeah. more punk songs now than I've ever known in my life. All right, well, we're going to play some 1039. Haley, do you want to set this song up? Sure. So 1039 is the police code for putting your sirens on. And the song's about getting off your ass and doing some stuff with your life. Fair enough. All right, kids, let's hit it. 1039. Station, I'm tired. 
All righty, guys, we are back. We have got to get out of here very shortly because we've got Apollo coming in. Haley, there's something I've got to touch base with you. Your husband mm -hmm. actually owns a comic book shop, right? Dr. Yeah. King's comic book shop. Yeah. And with the passing of Stan Lee this week, I yeah. think it was appropriate because I'm a guy, I'm a comic book nerd. I've been collecting comics since I was six. I own over 10,000 comic books. I would say 8,000 of them are Marvel. Stan Lee mm -hmm. has been such a primal force in my life. I know you guys had to be devastated like many of us was by the passing of Stan Lee. I mean, yes, but we talked about it last night, actually. And I said, how you doing? And he said, you know, Stan Lee was old. And he was being taken right. advantage of a lot at some of those yes. expos. Yes. And yeah, like, look. it's almost like when you have a, we actually do have a dog right now that's like Stan Lee right now, you know? Like, she's okay, but, like, she's kind of getting taken advantage of by the other dog, and she's kind of old and kind of over, and her peak is gone, and it was, it was, it was a, a good passing. I mean, of course it's devastating, but at the same time, you know, he lived such a, an awesome life. So, uh, we're okay. We're doing okay. Yeah, like I couldn't it was time. More. It was just But time. it's the end of an yeah. era. It's yet another thing. Odell, I think I was telling you maybe not too long ago, maybe six months, a year ago, every single place even Steven played is gone now. They're all gone. Yeah. Tracks is gone. <laughs> Food for Thought is gone. Black Cat is moved into another building, so it's essentially gone. I mean, like everywhere we ever played, the Metro is gone. Um, all the places we hung out, Chamber of Sound, that's gone. The Asylum, like every place we hung out with is gone. And it's like your history is being burned away the older you get. And I think yeah. Stan Lee passing away. Because when you're little and all these people pass away, like if, if Fatty Arbuckle passes away when I'm eight, I don't give a fuck about Fatty Arbuckle. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. When people you yeah. grew up with, like Roddy Dangerfield, like I grew up watching Chevy Chase, who's still with us. But I grew up watching like Roddy Dangerfield. Robin Williams was another big hit that took wind out of my sails when these cats yeah. pass away it's like there'll never be a stan lee appearance like a cameo from stan lee in a marvel movie again it's just the finality of it that really fucks with you i think i think so yeah i, I mean I don't um, like the no camo in the movie though because i don't like those comic movies anyways really mm. neither does my husband he doesn't like it either we we don't we like we like to read the comics that's it. I know it's controversial and unpopular, but it's the truth. <laughs> no, no, I mean, hey, that, for each his own. I mean, I, I actually, enjoy, you know, I enjoyed seeing, seeing him in there. Um, uh, uh, just the fact that, you know, something that I, I, I could only imagine what it was like, what it's like for him to see what he, you know, helped draw, you know, as a simple comic, and then all of a sudden to see that character on a screen, you know, like, wow, this is something that, you know, I, I could only imagine what that would be like for, for, for him, but to be able to, for him to see that and for him to witness that, you know, Kids. Not also that. It's a great platform to show your kids if they are not interested in reading comics and you have an affinity for Spider-Man or Thor or Iron Man, take them to a movie and be like, hey, this is what I loved when I was a kid. And you could kind of sit in a movie theater as a family and watch it as opposed to handing them a stack of comic books. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both ways is great. I mean, like, I, I know for my, you know, for kids nowadays, a lot of, you know, visual, like that instant visual 
is what attracts them. But I know for like for my son, for instance, he loves to go back now and read, you know, my comic books. Like he's like, Oh, you have this one or nice. you know, like, yeah. when, like when That's the Sil- cool. when the Sil- when the civil war series came out and I was telling them, you know, like, yeah, this is a really good series and point things out. And I was like, well, we'll go back and read the comic books. You know, as soon as we started watching this, he was flipping back and, and, you know, looking back at those. I was like, yeah, dude, all this stuff is here. You know? So I, I, yeah, I think it works both ways. Um, and they yeah, waited yeah. until they had the technology to do it, right? Because if you ever watch some of those 60 Captain Americas or that bootleg Fantastic Four film or some of the old Spider-Mans, they're ridiculous. So some yeah. some of them fall flat, but at least they have the technology to visually like kind of get it right. And that's what totally. I think about and it. I think we're just jealous because we always look at each other and say, let's go see a movie. And then we end up doing music stuff. Like, I mean, I was in a band with him before we even got married, okay? He was like, do you want a ring? And I said, no, I want to go on tour. And we spent the money on that before we got wow, married. Wow, so, that's beautiful. Uh, I think we're just jealous because we see all our friends. They're all having babies. Not that we want babies in movies, but it's like, they're all having babies, going to movies, like doing all this stuff. And we, it's like we can't get to a movie. Like we, we, we talk about it and then we laugh. We're like, oh, we're going to go to a movie. And then we're like, oh, you know, three hours later, we're like demoing songs or like, uh, so, yeah, but the grass is always greener. I would love to be on tour right now, and I know that part of my life is over. Would you? Would you really? Yeah. Would you really, really, yeah. really? Hey, let me tell you, I've had a lot of highs in my life, but the high <sighs> I used to do all the writing in my band, the high of somebody yeah. like chanting your lyrics back to you, there's not quite a high like that. Well, I, Latida, so fancy. I've had a couple of those experiences, but not that many. So we're a pretty young band, though. I, I have faith that our fans are out there, and we do have people out there that love us. So I want to hear some have chanting. A fierce, I want to hear more chanting. <laughs> well, you have a fiercely loyal fan base, too, from what I can see. I mean, I watch um, interviews and videos and all this stuff, and it seems like you guys have such, and I'll use the word groovy again, groovy atmosphere. It really draws people in. And the one thing that I had said in the beginning of this, just to bring a full circle, is your stuff makes me happy. And I, you know, I'm, I'm of the theory if I feel something, then there's a lot of other people to feel the same way. So obviously you're making people happy. And if you're making people happy, they're coming back for more. That's just human nature. Just like one little taste of MSG and they come back for more. <laughs> exactly. You're a <laughs> happiness yeah, pusher, Haley. You're all too kind. Too kind. All right, we got to get out of here. Haley, tell us what you got coming up, where we can find you, and more importantly, how you can get a hold. Hey, by the way, how do I get a hold of a Haley and the Crusher's coloring book? Yeah. Uh, Well, you have to be a real good friend or host a really cool podcast. I'll save some for you. Um, that would be if you amazing. Wanna, if you wanna, That's awesome. <laughs> I'd love to send you one. They're they're very exclusive though. So um, please I will do, and I'll take a picture of me coloring one, all crazy looking, and put it up on Instagram and everything. Yes, only if you drink a bunch of cough syrup and a bunch of booze, and then you way ahead of then. you. <laughs> I will continue <laughs> drinking. I won't stop drinking cough syrup and booze until I get mine in the mail. How's that for a deal? I love it. That's great. Yeah, like our whole thing is, you know, have you know, it's about having fun and feeling good and stuff. And like adult coloring books are really coming back into vogue. So mm-hmm. um, maybe we'll do like some more coloring books. Um, so anyway, you can get the new um, vinyl at Eccentric Pop Records uh, on their online shop exclusively from Eccentric Pop. And then um, for tour dates, we are going to be in um, Fresno, Merced, Sonora, and Oakland in March. 
we're going to be in, in Oakland again in January. Um, in July, we'll be back in the Pacific Northwest. And in May, we'll be in Southern California. And then we are also going to do the Midwest for the first time in April. Nice. That's very exciting. So we're, we're really excited to get out to the Midwest. We feel like, you know, why not wear a bunch of swimsuits and fezes and go out into the Midwest where it's freezing <laughs> and <laughs> eat some cheese curds and see if people throw beer bottles at us. So we'll definitely be um, out there uh, in at late April to early May. Um, and you can find all our stuff online at HaleyMcCrushes.com. It's just two Y's like Haley, um, Haley Mills. And also, just to kind of add this in, because you always see these old movies from like the 90s, like singles about like the 90s grunge scene. And they're like, yeah, man, we're big in Japan. You guys are actually big in Japan. Are you guys going to be playing <laughs> Japan at any time in the future? Oh, you. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're, I, we, our, our record is available in Japan via Water Slide Records and uh, a couple other places around the world. And yes, we want to go to Japan so, so, so badly. But at this point, uh, we're still in a major fact-finding sort of mode. So if you know of anyone who can help us on our mission to get out there, uh, please contact me. Um, we definitely want to get out there. We want to go out by 2020. And I guess that's like when the Olympics are. So nice. uh, we're, we're, we're planting those seeds. And a gypsy did tell me that I was definitely going to Tokyo. And I'm definitely going to have two daughters. So hopefully she's half right, and I make it out. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Tokyo pie. <laughs> and the daughters and the daughters are just guinea pigs or something. So um, <laughs> or dogs. But, yeah, I, dogs are good kids. It's our dream. I mean, have you guys been to Japan? No, I'm, I'm sorry. Never. I got the mic muted because I'm sneezing my head off. Have you guys been? You haven't been out to Japan. I just wondering. No. I, I ask everyone that. I ask. Have you been to Japan? Hey, I've been to a lot of their food, but and that's the only time I've been out of the country. Okay. Okay. Sadly, sad omission right there. All right, we got to get out of here. (laughs) Haley, thank you so much for brightening up. We just watched. I watched this movie the other night, Odell, and Danielle could tell you. Me and my daughter Vivian was driving her crazy. We watched this movie called Dark Water, and a shady landlord. Just so like kept saying, yeah, so um, we're going to put a new upholstery on the couch. It really brightens up the place. And we're going to like. <laughs> That's like, where you guys got that from? Yeah, because <laughs> you kept asking us. Because we were making, me and my daughter, who she just turned 13. <laughs> and all day we're like, hey, you want some chicken poppers? They really brighten up the place. Because it was just like um, <laughs> Carl C. Riley was playing like the shady like um, landlord who was just trying to suck tenants into this bullshit apartment. And he was like, yeah, we're going to Windex these windows. It'll really brighten up the place. And I just wanted to tell you, Haley, you have really brightened up the place. <laughs> oh, my God. There you go. <laughs> At least now I know where the hell I'm that shit's from. I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've had a blast. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been really fun. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. We'll Thank you for coming on. As soon as we have it up. All righty, guys. We are getting ready to start the process. Give us one moment here. Um, D, do you want to call Apollo? He checked in about 10 minutes ago. But he hasn't read my last message. You mean Apollo that's on the line? Oh, is Apollo on the line? Hi, Billy. Or at least he was. Yep, Billy. yep, I'm here. Had Hi, you guys Billy. on mute, sorry. <laughs> You're what good. Up? All right, let me do the little intro here, and we'll get you in here, and you'll cut all this garbage out as I'm all nasally, because I'm trying to get over this sickness. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, shh. 
Okay. All right, guys, welcome to The Process with Apollo's Son, where rapper Apollo's Son walks us through the creative process of his upcoming album, It Can Get Better, detailing the joys, struggles, and pain that motivates him to keep telling his story through music. Apollo, it's been a while. I don't think we've had you on for about a month. Has it been that long? I think. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, been, it's, it's been a little bit. And I know I was keeping track of what week it was every week because the last week we did was week six, and um, I kind of lost track. But you you started doing this over the summer. It was like three months ago we've been doing this, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a while. Time just all all my days just kind of like have uh, melted together so i feel like i'm just on this one continual long day so i don't even know like what day of the week it is anymore (laughs) but your world is running like a fucking thousand miles an hour so things like when we were talking the album should have been out by now and uh, here we are in the process a month's gone by and now we're talking about the song you just sent us and it doesn't even have a title yet so what's going on with the album and what's the new expectation that this album is going to get out? Sure. Um, so I'm eight songs, I believe in terms of my recording, our ideal goal was to have, um, like 10 solid songs that we're very proud of and then throw some sort of intro. I, when I make albums, I make them like books. So I always like to have like that intro forward type, thing in the beginning and i like to have like this ending so when you listen to it you have like your different peaks and valleys like you would in a book and um so we felt that like 10 solid songs would give us the opportunity to not really have much room for filler so you know we only wanted to pick the best the absolute best so we had decided to how um, many are you picking out of what were you uh, right to start with uh, the, well, originally I was just going in it with the intention that every song was going to be a keeper. And then as we went on, we started to realize that, well, some of these songs aren't as strong as other ones. So, um, the goal is to record, um, I don't know, I will say maybe 13 or 14 songs or something like that. Um, and then pick the, you know, the best ones I've recorded eight songs so far, um, I actually started moving so fast on the recording that, you know, I had this streak there where I was writing like songs all the time and then that really slowed down. So I actually caught up to where I was in the writing process. So I have eight songs recorded. I have close to mm, 10 written. And, um, but as time goes on, I'm realizing that there are more, uh, ideas and concepts that I still want to explore for this particular project. Because like I said, I view every project like a book and there are parts of this particular book that I feel still need to be told. And I haven't written those songs yet. So I'm waiting for those ideas to be inspired to come out. And I apologize if, if my voice sounds all shaky right now, guys, I'm actually sitting outside uh, on the porch up in my cabin here. Probably the only way you could get signal, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I came up here because I'm having an issue with my floor and my buddy that's helping me out, uh, he could, he had the opportunity to come up and meet me. 
So now uh, I'm a bit underdressed. <laughs> so I'm sitting out here and I'm like, I got a hood up. And I'm all freezing all the heck. Up. Are y'all getting... Y'all, are y'all gonna get snow too? Yeah, yeah, it keeps yeah. changing. I don't know, like, I, when I first looked, it was only like, you know, one to three inches, but now I'm hearing that it could be like five inches and oh then ice gosh. and, you know, and all this other shit. But, um, so at any rate, as far as the album goes, um, but, you know, I caught up to myself in terms of, uh, the recording is now caught up to the writing, but like I said, there's still a couple ideas that I, I feel that I need to explore and get off my chest. And also, um, in 2013 to like 2015, I had started, uh, an album with another producer from my area, uh, uh, in Pennsylvania. And, um, which was actually, it's funny because when I went back and like looked through the old songs that him and I had worked on, that was actually the beginning of the album. It can get better. And I never thought that it would be five years later and like be a completely different project, which is pretty, pretty wild to see. But, um, at any rate, we have determined that, um, I reconnected with that producer and I have five or six songs that are completely written that were for that album. So now I'm actually going to add that to my recording list and, um, I'm going to finish those songs as well. And then we're going to put those, nice. those songs out next year as well. And I don't know, like in terms of the push, you know, I don't know how, because that project is a little less focused and things like that. So I don't know how in depth we're going to get in terms of pushing the album. Obviously I'm still going to put, you know, put everything behind it, but, um, you know, there's some good songs that, that I wrote and worked on with him. So we figured, you know, fuck it, why not? Let's uh, let's put them out. So I'll actually have an album, you know, It Can Get Better, and an EP as well of songs that nice. I had never put out. Yeah, so... Oh, let me jump in real quick, yeah. though, and ask you this, not to interrupt you, but as, as you're going through this process, because we've been doing this since summer, and I know you were mm -hmm. working on the album even before that, because we were on a break mm -hmm. before we came back with you, do you worry that the place you're in when you started this journey will become so different that by the time you're ready to put the album out, you want to go back and go, okay, well, that, now that's not what I'm trying to say. No, no, because all, all of those things that I felt, I mean, they were valid in the moment. And, and you know, well, I should backtrack a little. There are a couple songs on It Can Get Better where I wrote verses um, for specific people that in the moment you know they were very heartfelt and in-depth things well those relationships have actually changed since i i wrote those songs right so now i'm actually at a little bit of a crossroad on the, i got a couple verses on the album that i wrote you know that were was for uh a particular individual who um over time has shown me different sides of themselves that I don't feel so positive about. And the verses that I wrote were very honorable. And I don't know how I feel about putting those particular verses out, you know, so I may end up rewriting those um, because I feel that when I offer my words um, and tell stories and write songs that um, are heartfelt uh, towards individuals and they betray me, you know, I feel that me me writing songs for people in a positive way is a gift that I give them. 
And when, you know, I'm betrayed in a, a certain kind of way, it makes me question, do I want to give, mm. you know, do I want to give them that gift? Do I want to give them that part of me where they can go, oh, look, I had a song written about me where this person thought very highly of me only for me to find out that the person... That's a great perspective, though. I mean, Odell, do you remember a few years ago when the Beastie Boys came out and was like, man, I I wish we could go back and get rid of those first couple albums because we didn't mean anything. Like, those. that's not who we are today. And there was a big backlash. Like, but dude, that's what you were feeling at the time. So there is kind of this push and pull, right, Odell, when it comes to, uh, as a music creator, you're authentic in the moment, do you have right. an obligation to your fans to keep staying authentic in that moment, even if you're a totally different person up the road? No, I think I think it's I think it shows growth. So I don't feel that you you know first and foremost as a musician, and you guys know this, is that you need to stay true to yourself, or it's not going to work at all. You're going to hate yourself. Yeah, but people you're were gonna, hating when the Beastie Boys came out and did that. Yeah, and, and and like and 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 that's the beautiful thing about the Beastie Boys—they didn't care. They didn't care that you know they're coming from the fact that they're still artists and they're in themselves. Like, man, you know, yeah, that stuff was crazy and wild then, but that's definitely not where we are now. And you know, yeah, you're gonna feel re- you're gonna feel a little regret. You, I've, I've seen not even just musicians, but actors or, or other people that have done things. And they're like, dude, I was in a what? hair band in the eighties called cat's eye. And our hit song was lady danger. And I regret nothing. It was I. Oh, you got to see some pictures, man. Stephen King book. No, but no, but that was in my head. That's where I originally was like, Cat's Eye, that sounds cool. My last name is K-A-T-S-O-U-R-O-S. So I was like, I'm going to do K-A-T-Z, and I put a diamond in the middle. Oh, my God, it was the 80s. E-Y-E. That was like, Cat's Eye. And our logo was live and untamed. And our and our big song was Lady Danger. So, yeah. Lady Danger. I'm not embarrassed by that. At least embarrassed. dangerous. Yeah, it was very dangerous. It was actually about yeah. falling in love with a prostitute. I was edgy. <laughs> I was edgy at 17. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, it, it, all, it all goes back to the artists and, and how they feel. I mean, if, if, that's, if, that's their, if that's how they feel, I mean, you can't really knock them because they're like, man, you know, that's not who I am and that's not who I became. And, but it also shows growth. And it also shows the fact that, yeah, I was like that at that time, but this is what I, this is where I progressed to, you know, I'm not that person now, but hopefully it'll show in my music that I'm not that person anymore. If that's what they want uh, to happen. Well, let me pivot this back to Apollo because, and and this is going to get a little bit off the track of music, but I think this is important. We're at a place right now where people are so intolerant. And I just thought of this today as I just, you know, as we talked and you were calling in a few weeks ago, I put this thing up. It was like, Hey, who's voting? Who's not? And why are you not voting? And you went on there and said you weren't voting. And Apollo, you did not get a happy reception by posting that. And I actually took the whole post because I was just disgusted with the whole thread. Yeah, I never. Well, how do we a, break those boundaries? How do we do what? We break those boundaries because if you, if you can't even say something as simple as "Look, dude, this whole system's corrupt. I choose to opt out" without getting a bunch right. of people attacking you, 
How can yeah. we possibly form any kind of unity to fight the real enemy? And I think we all know who the real enemy is. Right. Yeah, I wish I knew. Because I've been dealing with that most of my adult life from... You know, and, and then if I do, you know, if I say hypothetically speaking, if I were, I do, I'm a firm believer that voting on a local level is very important. I do. Um, you know, there's, but there's bigger pictures here that I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not supportive of. So I, I ethically, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, in terms of the, the boundaries of it, I, I wish I knew, I wish I had the answer to it because I respect everybody that chooses to vote. I'm glad to see that people do believe that that, you know, that form of um, participation in our society, that they have faith in that. And that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see it. I, I, I wish I was more hopeful in that way, but I'm simply not. I went too far down the rabbit holes, man. I've learned way too much about this world and I've learned way too much about the way it's governed and run that I simply, but that shouldn't matter. All that should matter is I put a question up, just taking a basic survey. Cause I was curious right. who's voting. Right. If you're not voting in this election, that's that actually pulled presidential election numbers. I mean, it was a huge right. midterm election. Why are you not voting? Yeah. Cause I just wanted to know. And you're like, well, I'm not voting. You wrote a very concise. You weren't like, I'm not voting. Cause they all suck. Suck my balls. You'd wrote a very concise, right. yeah. profound thing. Here's why I'm not voting. Here's what I believe. And then you got a rash of shit for it, and I was like, "I'm just going to take this fucking post down. I don't even want to hear it." Yeah, How do we yeah. break that boundary? Yeah, I, not on social again, media, man. <laughs> yeah, not on social media because <laughs> yeah, you can't. Most people don't understand like tone and things like that when they're typing words. You know, the the same way that when you speak in person, you can actually hear vocal cords moving. Most people, you know, they just don't. It doesn't translate very well for them and um in terms of breaking boundaries you know i try to i try to um express my myself regarding my feelings of that whole subject you know when i was younger i was a lot more pissed off and i was very much more like suck my balls kind of you know what i mean but now i'm mm -hmm. trying to i'm trying to speak to people from a very intelligent place so then when they do hear me in terms of my beliefs that but it didn't seem to matter. It's, no, and that's it what's frustrating. No, right. Well, it's just uh, people have been, I mean, we've been conditioned from birth to think very specific ways. And people think that if you don't fall with the confines of the boxes that we were born into, that your opinion just doesn't matter. And that's, that's not right. That's, that's everybody can teach everybody else at least one thing about yes. the, either themselves or the world. And to, to walk into a conversation about that particular subject and think that, and, and express, um, when you, when you attack another person using basically, uh, pre-scripted opinions that you learned that you didn't develop yourself, you know, well, well then, if you don't agree with this, move to a different country. Or if you don't agree yeah, with this. Yeah, I used then, to always you know, say when I was talking to these Trump dudes, do you have one of those like telemarketing flow charts you used to have in your cubicle that the customer says this, and this is yeah. your rebuttal. And that, that's like, yeah. God, every, like you all sound the same. Every comment yeah. from you guys, no matter what thread I go on, if I run over here and like Drudge Report and say something, or if I go over here and you're like trolling like The Guardian. 
like it's always mm. the same almost exact verbatim like the same exact verbiage yeah. and, and i just feel like i'm talking to a telemarketer that has a little rebuttal chart they're so fucking yeah. programmed yeah as time has gone on like i'd be i've i've shut that part of my life off where and it sucks because you shouldn't feel that way right we we, we should be able to uh express ourselves freely in a way that isn't causing harm to others. But for some reason, there are certain subjects that, you know, as soon as you, you know, I've just, I've just basically shut my mouth. And I know that that's not really a healthy way to do either because I'm one of those people that I always refer to it as swallowing hand grenades that over time, wow. I don't ex express myself, I blow up. And then it's no good for anyone because I, I, all logic throws out, you know, gets thrown out the window and I simply operate off emotion. Dude, D's going to yeah. hate that because that's going to be my new saying, Al D, when you're like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to swallow hand grenades. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I mean, and there, I, there's a scientific you know, reason behind it because when you, when you get more it's called um when you get emotionally aroused or psychological yeah or in a state of emotional arousal or whatever it is um something like that then you go into your brainstem and you can't think as well your um executive functions basically turn off and you're not responding to things you're reacting to things you can't learn things yep. you can't think logically you're just fight or flight and so over the years i've learned to finally tell nick look i can't talk about this right now i just can't i can't think right now i'm just too pissed off you're just gonna have to give me a minute and that's just the way it is so i mean and, yeah. and that's why trump supporters do and say the things that they do because they're kept in that state of emotional arousal for so long that they're just fight or flight they're not fear 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 the caravan's yeah. coming it's exactly. filled with isis gang members who have leprosy and smallpox <laughs> like the shit they believe is fucking ridiculous <sighs> all right we got to get out of here um we're gonna play another new song i know that this song's very raw i don't even think you've added the chorus yet and it doesn't even have a name yet mm. right yeah, no, it's just a really long song. Um, I do three verses, but all the verses are actually twice as long as a traditional verse. So a traditional hip-hop verse is, and I don't know if this is true across all, all genres of music, but it's normally 16 bars of lyrics. And um, and then you normally do like an eight-bar chorus. And then you, you, know, you might throw like a little bridge in there or something in an intro and outro kind of thing. Well, on this particular song, I actually wrote three 32-bar verses. So it's actually like two songs in one. Was the music um, sent to you that way? Or were you like, hey, you need to expand this out because I have so much to say? Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, brother. I was like, listen, man, I, I wrote a lot. And he was like, whoa, <laughs> 32. So the chorus on this one actually is just going to be um, – what I'm thinking of doing is just taking the last bar of each line and having it repeat almost like a delay, but not like a continual delay, but like once or twice every other bar. And I was going to EQ my voice in a way where it sounds like I'm like speaking through like, like a muffled, like through a telephone kind of thing. Gotcha. And, and if, if you listen to um, the recording, you'll hear, um, the overdubs I actually 
kind of like sang them in a melody that I could hear in the beat that I wanted to pull out. Well, those, those overdubs, if you were to take those over, overdubs away, uh, hopefully I can describe this in the way that it is working out in my mind's eye, but um, take those words out, keep that harmony that I'm, I'm trying to create as I'm rapping um, with just the overdubs. And I was going to replace it with like a humming instead. So somebody with a, obviously a very clean, beautiful voice. Uh, um, and uh, <laughs> that I cleared my, are, that, that are you nodding over a D? Yeah, that was a, that was a throat clearing for D. Um, uh-huh. But have this like, just, just like this humming in a melodic way where I take all the drums out and it's just the melody the humming and then the telephone voice of me repeating the last line of each of those verses for maybe four bars and then keep going and get right back into it. So that this, this, this song probably won't even have a true like chorus. You know what I mean? It'll be very sparse and bare. And I do have like a tentative title for the song and maybe this will help to clarify the meaning of the whole the 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 whole song and um it's gonna like i'm i'm toying with the something along the lines of um codependence anonymous for Mm. this particular song because all three Mm -hmm. of the verses are about people with codependent relationships in some way shape or form um so it's like the song hasn't been born yet and what we're about to hear is the fetus Mm mm-hmm so this is yeah, the fetus version was, of the song. Yeah, yeah, it's the little, it's the little uh, six pound eight ounce uh, baby version of of the of the full song. So, um, but two, I guess it was like two summers ago. Now, I actually went to a codependent, codependent anonymous group because I, I have my own codependency issues in this world and, you know, I'm very open about it. And, um, so when I was listening back to the song after we recorded, I was like, Hmm, you know, this, this kind of, how can I, how can I bring out like this codependent idea in a, uh, you know, song title form. And then I thought back and it reminded me of that meeting I went to. So I thought that was kind of a cool title. I don't know if I'm going to keep that, but like I said, just to give you kind of an idea of where I'm headed with a title, I'm loosely basing it around things involving codependency issues. So Nice. You've got my wheels turning too. All right, well, I let's did. play this fetus of a song and you'll hear it here first. So when the album comes out, you can actually sit here and kind of compare it. Let's take a few seconds and play that. That you could see the person that I see inside you I see a fractured walls filled with holes In which he climbed through those eight years Were not wasted, stop pacing You see that beauty's already inside of you So stop chasing and stop running It's not a race I know you're dealing but your healing happens at its own pace Look at your own face Another bruise again Another piece of truth polluting your confusing skin And it's amusing him But you're confused again 
What exactly are you losing if you're losing him? I see you turning corners, trust me, you're a diamond. Your arms are getting stronger, hold those kids so he can find them and climb in. I promise it is safe, no need to hold your hate until the point you can't afford the freight. You can't escape yourself or keep secrets, cause that will only teach you how deep sea the sea gets. And you could sink or swim or take a drink again. But until you make the choice, his voice will ring within. Did something happen to you when you were a child? Is it something that you can't confront? Plummeting your smiles, uh. I only ask because I want to get to know you. So I can help you through the hell in which you go through. Don't pull the rope through. That ain't your news to make. No need to solve the mystery. That Rubik's Cube is fake. Just walk away. Walk away. I understand it's hard. But the greatest lessons always leave scars. Then he leaves marks. Then he leads hearts. Want to see you fall in love until you see sparks, but in a good way. I know it takes work, but ain't you sick and tired of fighting with the fake smirk? Uh, I know you want to keep your family ties tied, but leaving him will be the best gift you provide. Uh. I wish I understood the trauma that you had to face. When your baby sister in a blizzard of mistakes I'm sorry for the times that I would use it all against Cause now I see the poison from my voice that I dispense You'd always play fence, not commit to either side Who pulled the lever leaving ether leaking in your stride, uh Did anybody ever show you what love is? Or was it only shown by broken hearts that held crutches? We crushed duchess, but not discuss it Cause anytime shit would get deep, you just crush it Why can't you see through the window of abuse? You couldn't stop blaming me for what makes you, you? But see the issues deeper, I try to understand I should've never placed my heart inside your crooked hands I could've planned better, left when all the flags were red I should've packed my bags and let the breadcrumb trail instead I should've known better, you left before you left Cause every time you leave you treat me like a waste of breath I had to take a step, see which faded page was next Now I'm just another fool, in your pool of rejects Another number, another pay-per-view Never met your father, but it bothers me, he hates me too You use my drinking habit as a poor excuse To run away, ignore the truth Lock your doors, explore your roots Go back to your past and act as if I don't exist I loved you, I hate you, unfaithful but missed uh, I'm sick of all of this, I had to call it quits We play for different teams and every day y'all would blitz You were my greatest lesson, and I will give you that Cause everything else that I gave, I'm never getting back I'm sorry that I failed my role in the script now There's nothing left to say, betrayed with cold lips uh. Why you won't change And if you truly love her Then you need to let her go She needs to plant a seed So she can see leaves grow Now please leave slow Don't say a word You cannot feel the void Inside your heartbreak with her There's a razor in your pride You sell it to survive 
know that you are full of shit. We see it in your eyes, it's apparent you're disguised. Your mask has vibes that's been on the same boats and leave hope capsized. You provoke that side. Now sit upon your throne and take a look around. You notice that you're all alone. Lose compassion when you roam. Your journey isn't done yet. You have the chance to change every day until the sun sets. Now read the subtext, skim the line of notes. I'll speak my mind until it climbs inside the spine and throat. You are the antidote, the answer to your question. The road you pave lights the way to infection. You want truth, but you tell tall tales. You tried to build it high, but your stealth ball failed. Your real friends will point it out till you set your sails. Erect your rails, set a trap where step stones fail. You must prevail, it's truly time to change your race. Your fake faith won't save you, plus your halo's frayed. I say this cause I love you and wanna see you shine. I saw your uncle fall apart deep inside his mind over this. I know you're broken, hoping I can help, but I can't help you if you can't help yourself. Uh. Alrighty, guys, we are back. We are going to get out of here. Apollo, um, give us an ETA. Are you seeing February, March, April? When are you seeing the album coming out? And where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Oh, my. Um, in terms of when the album's coming out, at this point, I'm just going to say when it's finished. And uh, <laughs> hope that hopefully it's in early 2019 at this point. Um, I don't want to put too much of a time stamp on anything just because... Uh, I don't want to obligate myself and then force it. You know, I would much rather put it out at the end of 2019, knowing that it came naturally, as opposed to saying, well, it's coming out in fucking January. And then before you know it, I'm just forcing myself to write shit to write. Um, but obviously, I want to be realistic with my goals, and I do want to put it out in early 2019. Um, so this isn't the end of the process. You'll be back next episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll... Yep, it's going to be a process for a little bit, yeah. So, all which right, is okay, because right it gives us oh, more of a reason to uh, connect. So it's all good. I love talking to you guys. So hey, whatever. Yes. All righty, um, sounds now, fair enough. Yeah, and in terms of uh, finding my music, I mean, you can uh, folks can find everything at apollosun.com. That's a p o l l o s s u n dot com. And I have all of my music. It basically redirects you to my Bandcamp page, and all of my music is available for free. That's the beautiful thing, right? Is it hard being an That's artist it. It. and having to give stuff away for free now because of the way that music is just kind of marketed? I mean, it's almost impossible. I mean, nobody's putting out fucking records anymore and making money. I remember when Sebastian mm -hmm. Bach was like, dude, I've got my album's in the top 100. And then I looked his album stats up. He sold like, 70,000 copies and I was like dude there used yeah. to be a time you'd have to sell millions of copies to be like number 18 or whatever he was 22 wherever he was on the billboard like nobody's yeah, buying mean, records anymore yeah I mean financially it sucks but you know because I put a lot of time and energy and effort and and money into creating albums but I don't ever want anybody to feel like there's a a barrier between being able to own my music 
for financial reasons. So like my bills are paid and shit, man. So, you know, um, I plan on putting this next album out on vinyl. So, and that's, you know, I know people, I know vinyl's back in full swing and I, I think it'll add a, that's an smart. element of value to, yeah. And it'll add an element of value to the project, you know, so I'm okay with that. And, um, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. But until then, you know, I, I just want people to listen to the music and share it with people and, and hopefully uh, learn and, and maybe heal from it. Right on. That is a beautiful All thing. Right. All right, Billy, you have a great Thanksgiving. Odell, yeah, I'll talk to you in the next... God, can you believe yep. it's next fucking week is Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you in the next... Hush, I'm not ready yet. God. <laughs> have a good Thanksgiving. We're going to end with some you jewel too, case from Haley and the Crushers, and we will be back next month with the Joeys. Have a great holiday, guys. Mm-hmm.